here's how long I thought it's going to take and here's how long it actually took. And I would do that consistently with everything that I do on every project that I work on because this will help you get better and better at estimating in the future. Hello, everybody, and welcome on the next episode. Uh, my name is Antisa. I'm your first host um, of the Honest UX Talks, and I'm joined today by my second co-host, Ioana. And today we're going to talk about one interesting topic that is called how to estimate your design work. Um, I know it's tricky, especially for people who get started. I have been playing in errors and trials for a while until I found my balance or my formula to estimate my work. Uh, so it's a very tricky topic, especially for people who are just getting started, but also need to price it, but also need to find clients and know how to not underestimate it, how to price it correctly and stuff like that. So I think it's an interesting topic. We can dive into it today. But before starting the conversation around it, I also wanted to plug that this is a third episode that is powered by UX Tweak, uh, one of our favorite design tools for the uh, website research purposes. UX Tweak is basically a one-stop shop for anything website testing related. We really love it because it has all the features you will ever need to test your website. It's like a dashboard with everything in one place. Starting from card sorting or tree testing, you can also run unmoderated testing, or you can check the heat maps and see how people are behaving in your website when you're sleeping or sipping the, the coffee. You can record sessions, you can see how people are doing tasks that maybe you were interested in seeing. You you can also plug surveys, you can recruit users, you can run tests like five second tests or first click tests, etc. etc. Uh, and one tool I wanted to particularly talk today really quick that UX uh, tweak is powering us to do is to run card sorting testing. And the card sorting testing, it's basically a technique that involves asking users to organize information using cards uh, in a logical groups. Basically, it helps you to create information architectures that are intuitive and easy to understand for the users. Imagine you have some sort of a website that is complex with a lot of uh, with a lot of pages, with a lot of sections, with a lot of maybe products. And at some point your client is reaching you out and asking that people are getting lost. They cannot find their way on the website and you're asked to reorganize the architecture on the website. And for this, I would definitely recommend using cards or testing when it's, it's really simply. Basically, you just give users cards, a stack of cards and ask them to organize uh, these cards in a natural or intuitive groups to them. Uh, so you basically see how people are doing this and then you you will receive some sort of analytics, the graphs, which will show you how people are doing it, what are the most common patterns and how would be most preferably, most intuitive for you to organize this website. So if you are running websites or if you are having some ideas, hypotheses, assumptions you want to test, make sure to try out UX Trick. They also have a free plan or you can also use our discount uh, coupon code right in the show notes. And that's it from our side. So today's topic is how to estimate your design work. And this question was submitted by one of our listeners. Um, thank you so much for submitting your questions. Uh, it's really helping us to drive this podcast in the direction that helps you. So please feel free to do this. Anytime you have questions, just submit it. We'll definitely cover it in the next episode. Uh, so yeah, the listener of ours asked us, are there any techniques or tips 
or things to keep in mind when you're estimating your work. And um, basically, the first question for you, Ivana, would be to maybe start discussing things like how do we just estimate work in the freelance setting when you are working for a client, when you're probably working on a smaller project, uh, MVP project, for example, versus how do we estimate our work in the bigger companies? Uh, because we both used to work um, or we do work on some freelance projects as well as working in the bigger companies with many people in it with uh, with the much bigger risks i guess in delivering the work that you're doing i'd like to hear your perspective maybe starting from the freelancing um uh, angle and then we can in the next question we can discuss the big company perspective i would start by actually quickly mapping out the the ingredients of a correct estimation or the things that might impact the estimation uh, and the actual time it will take to um, to create um, to run through the activities or the stages or the process uh, that you set out that you plan out for for this design project. So I would start with the size of the project. So the size of the project might mean um, how complex the design challenge that's being trying to solve is, how much research it might need, how much, um, how big is the confidence that we have in, in the things we're uncovering, but also how many people are involved on the project. So the more people, the harder it will be to respect deadlines and to have everybody uh, perfectly aligned at every moment, at every stage. So um, the size of the team and uh, stakeholders involved definitely could have a huge impact on on how you estimate and um, from one company to another and even in freelancing there are big variations in terms of how quickly a team the the whole team dynamic or the project dynamic so I've been in startups where let's say I had like something that I needed to clarify and I just use slack and then the CEO or the main stakeholder would reply in like one hour and that's the usual dynamic that we solve problems with and that we're able to unblock whatever comes and move quick but there are other projects where the just the pace of that project is generally slower or um, let's say healthier in a way. Uh, not everything is very um, rushed. And so in those projects, uh, it might take longer just because you're not like uh, forcing things to happen as quickly as possible. And so what I'm trying to say is that every project has like its own natural pace. And in the beginning, uh, when you start communicating with the team and you start aligning the stakeholders and you start uh, mapping out the potential path that you want to go for, you also start having a feeling of how things how fast things might move in general in regards to all the things that need to go into a correct estimation. So I hope this is a good intro that makes sense. <laughs> and with that being said, coming back to the freelancing question, I think as a freelancer, most of the times you have better control than in a big corporate company with with hundreds of people working probably on on the same product so when you're the designer on a on a project or you work maybe with another one or two other designers but most times I think we're talking about design teams of one um, and you have just to collaborate with a stakeholder which usually might be even the startup founder or I don't know somebody from the product uh, team from the startup or it can be uh, you'll be working with the developers closely so it's it's the complexity is not overwhelming. It's pretty easy to control and it's pretty easy to understand how much freedom, how much autonomy and how much control you will have on your activities because this is actually what could impact estimation. So as a freelancer, I think you have more freedom 
and more space to understand um, if you could do things in your ideal pace, if that, that makes sense. Um, so I think this is something that differentiates freelancing projects from big companies. I think you need to add extra time to, to book in more time in any big company project because there will be a lot of unknowns, a lot of uh, things that will come out of nowhere, uh, like legislation or all sorts of constraints, compliance things. It's, it's always more difficult to, dif- to navigate bigger projects in bigger companies. And so as a freelancer, I would say the rule would be for me, I always add in the beginning, I used to be very, let's say, honest <laughs> about how long I think something would take. So let's say I, w- I had to like run interviews and I would always say, hmm, I think it's going to be one week. And I never added any extra time, like booking 20% more or 30% more just to have some wiggle room and just to have some to create the right expectations and in case something doesn't go as planned that I'm not disappointing or frustrating the client or the people I'm collaborating with. But that was a lesson I learned the hard way because I was very poor at estimating because I was always too honest if you want. And so now when I estimate, I I take into account how long I think that would take me and then add a couple uh, of extra hours Uh, available just for anything unknown that might happen and even for reflecting reflection time over what I'm doing so um, yeah that's my answer I'm really curious to hear well I think I also went a bit into the big company answer so I I jumped to the second question I'm gonna leave you on FISA to talk about the freelancing space and how you go about things (laughs) no problems no this is great I really love the components part I think this is great intro because having this checklist so to say in front of us or literally somewhere in the back of our mind it's easier to start measuring um, your the scope of the, the project um, and also given a more realistic estimate so definitely definitely great point to start from um, okay I'll try to go over the freelance part and then let's transition to the bigger companies I think it's more interesting I'd like to hear particularly how do you in your if you can remember any case where you were estimating the project what was the process maybe steps I think that the more tangible cases would help our listeners because uh, I feel like when you start and you yeah hearing all those tips it's great but you still don't know where to start from right you still wonder what are the steps how do I make sure and all of that so I think like if I look back onto how I was estimating my work, and I just like you, I was doing a lot of mistakes. I was very, um, I guess I was not not aware about how much time I could take. And I was very, very optimistic about my delivery time. I was always thinking, oh, it's one day, but in reality it would be three days to, to do this particular task. So my problem was also always uh, not being very realistic. And I think I still have this problem of course, with more conservatism right now, but still, I'm 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 usually tend to be over positive, and uh, that results in some deadlines breaking. But when I think about my freelancing approach, uh, there are there is a formula I realized I have again maybe later in in my in my journey, which goes simply like this. Uh, first, I always recommend to measure whatever you're doing realistically in whatever time. Um, time tracking app. For example, I was using the app called Toggle. 
in literally the first year when I was freelancing, absolutely every task or every project I was measuring. I would put on the timer and even when I go out for, I don't know, grab a coffee uh, in the kitchen for like three minutes, I would put a timer off and uh, I will pause and then I came back and resume the timer. I wanted to have this list of how much time it takes me to do this particular task. For example, how much time it takes me for secondary research, how much time it takes me for interviews and uh, retros, how much time it takes me to analyze the insights, how much time it takes me to make the presentation about my research and stuff like that. So I really wanted to have this very objective picture in front of mine because otherwise I already knew that I would tend to make it too too optimistic and say like, yeah, in one week we'll have every insight we need, which is never a case, to be honest. <laughs> Usually research is the, for me personally, it was the harder part and it would take me longer than the design deliverable. And so, um, yep, I needed to measure it. And that's my first tip here. If you feel like you're also very positive about taming estimates, make sure you have this realistic benchmark or any sort of measurement that you can look into and next time the new client reaches you out and you sort of outline the process for the collaboration Um, and again the process is up to you i would usually use double diamond process or design thinking process any any of that sorts so i would just present the process i'm working in and then put uh, the sort of time estimates in the months or in the hours, depending on the type of collaboration. So every time I would look into my time estimates in the toggle, I would know exactly how much time I would usually need for the research part. And then I will have, okay, probably we need around 30 hours for the research. And I will estimate it like that and send it in the proposal or, you know, in the, in the presentation, I'll voice it up. Uh, the second point, as you understood already, after measuring your time and knowing realistically what's what it takes from your site, um, for me, it was the, to set the process. And I think I covered it a little bit already, but basically, um, depending on the type of a collaboration, whether it is the retention client, uh, where we work on a monthly basis, or whether, whether it is a small project under 20 hours, or whether it is the collaboration for a couple of months, where it's a bit more wicked and complicated, it would really depend on the collaboration. But I would then uh, prepare the proposal, uh, the literal the PDF document with where where I describe my process, where I describe uh, approximate timelines. I would sometimes even turn this into the Notion um, pages, I guess uh, they call them. There will be Kanban, there will be stages, and I will just drop my cards as I move through the process. And also there will be like to-do list there, so the client can always look back and see what's going on there, having some transparency and stuff like that. So for me, it's easier because I have my deadlines in that Notion um, Kanban board and I would also inform the client and I would also know if that's correct or we actually been late for whatever reason. We can also make the notes and the cards in the Notion explain what went wrong and why did we um, sort of miss the deadline. So the time estimates, the process, that's the second point. And then before even, again, this is when I'm talking already about the process, but when I'm looking into, again, estimating my work, I also need to account for the risks. Like you were saying, it's important to have this confidence level. Uh, that is a the very important topic in any estimation is for me and account for all the risks we are having in this project. For example, the risks could be 
do we have a developer or actually we don't have a developer and we will not be able to uh, talk to the developer and estimate if it's a feasible decision or solution or we don't know about some limitations yet do we have some extra time for screening for the right candidates for the interviews and stuff so all the estimates needs to be accounted for before you put the price tag on it on the stage and then always the rule number one in any 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 projects no matter how confident you are in the projects put the, the margin on top of your estimates so let's say you said um, I need one week for my research project and uh, I'm pretty confident we can do this we don't have any major blockers or risks so let's say it's 100 100% it's one week no matter what, still put 20-30% margin on top of that. So yeah, that would be my three or four actually steps. Process, track your time, set the process, account for the risks and add margins to every estimates. And that's for the simple projects actually, like you said, Joanna, when you can still control it, when you know um, it's not a complex project, there are not 55 people to talk to, uh, you just need to have a small team, you, you might figure out together the process, the stages, milestones, check-in points, and that's it. Uh, whereas moving to the next topic with the, you know, how do we estimate bigger projects um, at our companies? Uh, this is where I think the juicy part could come up. And this is where we can discuss really tangibly what are we doing to make sure we prevent the risks and errors. And um, yeah, I'd like to start from you, Joanna. Um, how, how do you usually, let's say, take one big project for which took you half a year, year maybe, and let's see how were you going about this process? <laughs> well, to be completely honest, in a big, big projects for me, it's it's a lot harder to estimate uh, than in freelancing projects. So in freelancing projects, just like you said, I always prepare a document where I uh, inform or even yeah, a notion space. I've used Miro, I've used Trello at some point. So um, I prepare a space where I inform everybody on the team on the activities that we will be going through, all the stages, what time investment every activity might imply. Uh, I, 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 it, it feels like I'm in control, but when it comes to the corporate job or to the, um, to w working in big companies, um, it's, it's a lot harder for me to be able to estimate, especially when, when looking at a timeline that's, um, significantly higher. So a freelance project might be something might, let's say a challenge that we take on for the next two months, three months, four months. But in a big um, company, it might be that we're doing projects that last over one year, just like you said, and that's a completely different complexity and a level of sophistication that needs to go into estimating how much that will take. And to be completely fair, I feel like I'm not good at it. I At first, I was underestimating. Now, I think because, uh, uh, because of the trauma, I am overestimating every project. So just a quick story. Um, we were about to re do a redesign for uh, the core product I was working on in my current company. And um, I had to estimate how long this redesign would work, would, would take from a design standpoint. And because, because the word redesign was in there, I thought, oh my God, this is like five years of work. I don't know. It's huge. It's like, it's, it's, because it's it's a very complicated and sophisticated product. It's very complex. I'm working in a very technical uh, field. So uh, at first, when we started exploring this possibility of doing a redesign, I was like, probably it's going to take, I don't know, one year, at least eight months. 
And everybody on my team, especially the senior management stakeholders, the VPs were like, oh no, but we have to have it like in two months, three months. And I, I, it felt insane for me at that point. Uh, but somehow, I mean, by this, by having this dance, this negotiation, this, the, their understanding of, hey, what can we unblock to have it faster? What do you need? What, what support do you need on this project? And having this conversation that I think estimations are also many times a negotiation. And I see it every time with developers. So when we have the, the developers, the, the grooming sessions or, um, the, all the, all the ceremonies that, companies working in agile have they they tend to like overestimate something and then the project manager does this thing where they say but i think we might need it sooner is there anything we can do for that what might you need and so on and so it's estimations also involve a level of negotiation from my experience and that's what happened on that particular huge product the project which was the huge redesign and we started talking about how we might make it um sooner how what what things and so I ended up having a researcher that joined the project and then having another designer that joined the project. And so the, the design team grew and everybody was extremely involved and extremely present. And it felt like the entire team was prioritizing this project and everybody was uh, was taking it very seriously and so because all things around me aligned pretty well with the help of other people my estimation was I, I i was completely pessimistic about it and we managed to do it and maybe yeah i was i i said one year they said three months probably it was around six five six months but it was pretty good um regardless and it's it's a project that i'm still very proud of yeah but the, getting back to your question when you start off estimating i think that uh the first thing that you need to do when you work in a big ecosystem like a huge company you have to understand all the stakeholders or all the actors that might have a say or might have um might impact in any way uh, might affect the way you run your design process so i would i always start even when i join a new team in a big company I start by creating this map if you want it's like a map of the ecosystem it's it's a, it's the system map where I, I map out all the people that I have to interact with, all the people that need maybe to have a role in the process that need to be um, to have to have like a say or maybe uh, give their approval at some point in the process. And so I try to understand everybody that's involved and that takes more time in the beginning, but it definitely saves you time later down the road. So in big companies, I think the main difference is spending more time in, in, in figuring out um, what is the system that you will be working in. And if you understand that system pretty well, then estimations will be easier to make and probably more realistic. So that would be, from my perspective, the main difference, although there are obviously other differences. Um, what are your thoughts around that? No, this is great. I really love this thing about mapping. Um, I agree. That's something probably I'll even mention in the takeaways. Um, we don't do this, but we have like a different process in the, in my company. Um, so like, I think we're similar in this. We are both working in a very complex and big <laughs> complex products, big companies. Uh, my company has around 10,000 employees. Of course, we don't work with all of them, but it's like, it's crazy because the projects are very, like, I would never be able to know all the people that I'm 
maybe sometimes will be a working with. So it's very, very complex and you never know really what to expect. Every time it's a new person, new project, new thing you never dealt with before, you have no context, you have no clue what you're doing and it's just always like that. So coming back to the question about how do we estimate work in this, um, I guess, setting of unknown and lack of clarity, we actually have like a process. It's a set process. It's called SAFE. I don't know if you heard it, it's pretty, pretty nerdy. Uh, you even have to take training to understand it. It's really very complex, but it's kind of okay-ish. In the beginning, it was complex to me, but then I saw it, oh, it's actually great because in the past I was working in another big company and there was no process like this. We, we just said it was like agile, but in fact it was waterfall and <laughs> it was not agile at all. So when I joined the, the, the company, the Citrix, and we had this uh, sort of enterprise agile process, Mm, I felt like, oh, this is great. So here is the process we are following. In a nutshell, I'll try to really go briefly and explain how we are doing this, um, even though, bear with me, it's, it's complex. <laughs> so basically, um, first of all, we have sort of periods of work. It's usually about five sprints plus three weeks for innovation project. So for the five sprints, which is a period for us, uh, we would need to estimate our work um, and, and sort of understand what the priorities for our companies, because every year, of course, like in every big company, you would have the goals, you would have the metrics, the KPIs you need to meet and stuff like that. So every month or every period you would need to, uh, sort of strive to, to reach those metrics. And so every period in the beginning of this, uh, of the planning stage, uh, during this three weeks of innovation project, we would need to see, okay, what are the next um, epics or efforts we need to invest into our budget or our time? So each department and each team will define the priorities and announce them as the candidates for the next work period. Um, then the next step, we would be vote on the initiatives uh, based on the urgency, on the impact and the effort on them. Uh, again, it's pretty complex. This would be this four hour, not four actually, two, three hours meetings where everybody's announcing what they want to work on, why it is important, what impact it would have on the business. Uh, there will be some sort of um, voting. At the end, we will have a set of uh, priorities or work uh, efforts we need to focus on because xyz reason it will help our business to grow whatever and so by the end of the beginning of this planning uh, we would have around one week to do all the planning for all the teams so in the beginning of the week we would have a list of priorities we need to work and some of them will be prioritized some of them will be deprioritized sometimes you really hope for that project to happen but for whatever reason we don't have time or whatever the the the, the priority is not here yet um we will need to drop some important projects that are dear to our hearts but unfortunately not happening because for example we don't have the engineering support there so okay so we vote on initiatives we have a list of candidates for the next uh period and then we uh, in the middle of the week we start identifying all the dependencies it's like when you start working on talking to cross teams you try to figure out the process to go about it you ask or you form all the questions and then you try to collect as many answers as possible um, but it's a very massive process it's, it's it's when all the risks 
for estimates are happening because again it's just one week and there are a lot of efforts a lot of potential projects a lot of questions a lot of unknown and it's messy people are busy with trying to figure out too many things at the same time and that's when most of the mistakes i would say in our part are happening that's where we would assume that it's okay it's kind of clear but then as we start working we realize we didn't ask so many important questions so that's actually the most messy part for us and then and, if, and I really hope that in the future we'll be able to have some sort of kickoff workshop during this week, but I don't even know how can we make it due, due to the time limits we have. So it, it's a tricky thing. This third step is trying to identify all the uh, find the questions, cross dependencies and figure out the answers, at least very hypothetically. The fourth step would be to then, um, with all the context in mind, to estimate our work. And for this, we would usually use Miro. Uh, we would have, again, like this five sprint calendar uh, day by day. And then we would also need to map down where do we have this PTOs or paid leaves, sort of uh, day offs and see, okay, what is our capacity for each sprint? And then we'll start breaking down our projects. For example, each designer would have two, three projects and we'll start breaking them down sprint by sprint, uh, given the capacity each designer has. So this is again, uh, I would say a couple of meetings with the whole team, with the design manager, we will break down the activities. We will have approximate plan for the next period. Um, and then basically the final touch to this process would be that at the end of the week, we will meet together again with the whole team, which could be, I don't even know how many people, like up to 500 people, it's crazy. Final touch is to share our plan on this final read, planning readout, where we also, okay, so first of all, we say here are the projects we invest in, we are committed to, here are the stretch projects we might do if we have time, and uh, here is our confidence level. We would also need to vote from one to five how confident that we can deliver it. And uh, I know it sounds very complex and nerdy maybe, but uh, that actually kind of works. I think it gives some, some clarity as to understanding the complexity on what each team is working on, um, how there are many dependencies out there, possibly who can you reach out if there is a question you need to get answered and stuff like that. And also it helps you to see really how do we drive uh, the company towards the, the goals and the metrics we want to meet. So it's kind of gives us some clarity, not clarity, transparency better word. And yeah, that's kind of working. But as I said, like there are also cons to this process because usually we would have um, very little time to answer all the questions. And like you said, we need to have confidence level. We need to answer as many questions as possible. And if you have two, three days for that, even sometimes two days only, it's really, really hard. And people are busy with their projects, with the other teams and in the bigger companies is really, really messy. So I think one of the improvements pays for us personally is this two, three days for estimation. Um, especially for the designers, it's not a very good fit. We are still like tech focused company where we would have a very crazy uh, designers to developers ratio. I don't even know how much. I think it's at least 15 developers to one designer. Really not proportional. Um, and so designers are minority that really impacts our process. We don't always have this, uh, I guess, voice. So this is usually the complaint point, but um, We'll see. Maybe in the future we'll be able to push through and try to ask for more time for estimation to eliminate risk. We will see how many you know cases we'll have for this. If we'll have, if we'll keep having more mistakes and and um, estimation 
issues. Maybe this is a case for us to push through, but we will see. This is what we are doing right now. But generally talking, I would say that as a designers, we would normally have delivery projects or exploration projects every every period, right? Uh, so for example, delivery is something tangible that you're sure you can deliver by the end of this period. It's usually when you work in a three in a box setting with different stakeholders, you have checkpoints, you have meetings with them on a weekly basis, you go through the process, you present, you ask for feedback, all of that. And then hopefully maybe in the middle of the period, you have the deliverable ready and the developers picking it up, you've supported and all of that. So it's more tangible, more specific, you know what you're going into, but it's more risky because you never know again what could happen. Maybe the, there will be some major blockers and you will not be able to deliver it, whatever, whatever happened. Whereas the exploration projects are kind of less stressful because you don't necessarily must deliver it, but it's longer, it's more unpredictable. You never know what's going to be the process. You're figuring out it as you go. So the process is always very blurry. And uh, to me, honestly, it's more fun to work on exploration projects to figure out the vision of the product. How do you want to drive it, experiment and see possible solutions? It's kind of more creative as for me, but still uh, it's less, it's less, I guess, apparent um, when you embark yourself in that journey. Um, okay, in this case, let's frame it as takeaways and tips for uh, anybody who's right now trying to estimate their projects, uh, be it in a smaller teams, let's say startup teams, um, versus bigger teams, more corporate environments when you have much more unknowns. So I would say the main takeaway for me would be that you need to have some sort of structure to the way you estimate. So. My biggest lesson was that estimating out of gut feeling or my educated guess was uh, many times faulty for some parts. So I would say estimations are important because they help people. You help set the right expectations and it helps everybody around to figure out how they can work and hide how they should plan their own work. So it's really valuable to estimate correctly and to put in the effort in making uh, that estimation as uh, realistic as possible. So to make it so, I would say that structure is advised. And when I say structure, I mean taking into account the system that you're working in, uh, be it a big company mapping out the entire ecosystem of players and, and uh, roles and, and functions that might interfere with your process or might have a say in your process. Or even if you're in a, freelanc a freelancing project, a very small project, still understanding what are your dependencies, who do you need to collaborate with, what things need to be mobilized and taken into account. So start by mapping out the system you're working in. Mapping the system also means understanding the size of the project, the complexity of the challenge. So understanding as much as possible, doing the UX uh, research for your design challenge in the beginning. So uh, this is number one. Number two would be something that you've um, very beautifully talked about, understanding the process that the, the, the team works in and trying to adapt to that process. So trying to uh, Talk, talk the language of, um, of, of the, the team you're working on and that particular project. And this goes especially for big companies. So it's not just about understanding the system you work in, but also understanding the language you need to speak. And by language, I mean understanding the process that goes on in there and the process that you need to align or participate in as a designer. Because 
uh, obviously it would be ideal if design will have all the freedom and autonomy and we could like design in our own um, space with, without any interferences but most of the times we need to design under constraints under some structures in a context obviously and and you need to 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 be able to align with that in order to make the estimations uh, realistic but also stick to them the third thing would be um i loved i really loved your point uh, about measuring uh so i would say start today with the project you're currently on start measuring everything uh i wouldn't do it as uh obsessive uh as like even when you have a coffee break measuring that but i would always document and reflect on how much time an activity is taking me and maybe I would say here's how long I thought it's gonna take and here's how long it actually took and I would do that consistently with everything that I do on every project that I work on because this will help you get better and better at estimating in the future it's 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 pretty uh, obvious that you learn by by learning <laughs> but it, I really think that we should put in the effort of reflecting and of measuring um, the activities and the, the, the design efforts that go into a project and being able to refer back to particular experience, experiences we've had and we traced and not rely on our memory because we know that the memory can play games on us and, and it's not the most reliable function of our brain. So have it documented somewhere, be it in a Notion page, being, I don't know, a Trello board, a mirror board, even in Figma, even on, even on a piece of paper or a notebook, that's fine, but document your design work and that will help you be get better at estimating so these are my top three findings i'm really excited excited to hear yours i did cover a lot of things sorry for that but yeah i'm, I'm curious to hear if there's anything left to add <laughs> <laughs> no problems no first of all you put it also really beautifully um if i were the listener i just literally opened this last part listen it in three minutes and it will be that will be it <laughs> um let me see if there is anything left for me to pick up um first of all Totally agree with using the design process as the outline. We all know that design process is never the, the, the thing that will happen. <laughs> Use the plan, but know that it will fail. But it's really, really helpful to have at least some sort of outline of the thing that you will be doing. Again, for transparency, for communication, for um, f for making sure you're meeting the deadline. It, you, you know that things will go wrong. You know that you will probably break a couple of deadlines. That's all right. You need to try to stick to the process at least because next time when you will be building um, your, I guess, next estimate, you will already know most of the problems, most of the mistakes that could go wrong, and you will estimate it more conservatively. And if you don't have the process, it's always chaos and you have nothing to measure against. That's why it's important. Even though we know design process is never gonna work in a, like in a perfect world, it's still very useful to have it as an outline. That's my first takeaway. My second takeaway here would be to uh, maybe collect as many answers as possible before giving any sort of, I guess, time or price, ta price tag on, on your measure, on your new process. Um, so basically, every time you're estimating it, think that it's not just about you thinking about the perfect process, but also accounting for all the 
all the risks, all the questions, all the gaps you might have. Uh, one thing I've learned in the freelance world that it's very, very useful to have a kickoff workshop with the clients to, again, just map down everything you know, you don't know, everything you need to collect, maybe even collect a confidence level from the client and as to, are we sure? this is the, the realistic information or is it just our assumption and let's maybe go and check it out and validate it before investing into building it. Um, so oftentimes um, spotting those gaps and uh, making sure you're, you're picking the right, um, I guess, assumptions you need to validate is something you can do in the beginning before even you know, identifying the process and breaking it down into stages. Um, so I guess my, my point here is to strive to spot the gaps and organize the knowledge, set the scene before you start working on it as much as possible, even though you always have a very limited time for that. <clears throat> um, it's really, really useful to do. The more gaps you spot, the more confident you can start the, the design work. And there are many exercises you can do. Like I mentioned already, there could be the, the kickoff workshop. Uh, you want to mention really great exercise. I really liked it, uh, calling map ecosystem mapping. When you try to understand all the actors, the stakeholders, you understand the processes people are working in, maybe the complexity, the unknowns, the risks, etc., etc. So having this map in front of you not only creates the transparency um, in the whole team, but also helps you to drive the more informed decisions and commitments into the projects you're embarking yourself into. So that's great. Um, so yeah. Collect as many answers, strive to spot the gaps. That's the, my second takeaway. And I think the, the last point would be just like a general mindset or tip here to always, and we usually say this at my work and I'll just repeat it. So we like to say, always under promise over deliver. <laughs> always say you'll do less, but deliver more. Um, that really, really helps and surprises the whole company, the whole team. Because if you always say you'll do more, but then you're never able to reach these goals, you're always frustrating the team and maybe overpromises things to your clients. And it's just like you're, you're losing the trust. So it's very important to, again, maybe try to be very conservative in your estimation. But if you can have time and if you can do that, that's just going to be brilliant and that's going to be really positive um, if you maybe do more. Uh, so I guess the tip here is to estimate things conservatively and always add margins on top of every your estimation. <laughs> and that would be it from my side. I think that would be the last um, takeaway for today. Anything you would like to add, Ioana? Should we ask anything from our listeners? Action points before we wrap it up? <laughs> I would say we should ask our listeners to submit topics for our future podcast episodes. That's something I want to ask them. <laughs> and I didn't know that Spotify actually has a functionality where you can directly submit um, uh, proposals for future episodes. That's great. So I invite everyone who's listening on Spotify to leave a, a podcast episode idea because we're, we're trying to have conversations that are relevant and timely and useful. And so it really helps us if you could suggest what, what your struggles are and what you want to, um, what topics you want to explore and, and learn more about. So uh, yeah, that's what I want to ask people. <laughs> yes, and to do this, actually, all you need to do is open the episode in your profile and scroll down. You'll see there, there is this 
and in my UI, it's like orange sticky orange card and click on it and there you can type the question, but I don't even know, maybe it's just my version of Spotify. <laughs> Anyways, submit it in whatever format you prefer. You can reach out us um, on Instagram under Honest UX Talks or directly to me uh, as Anfisign or to Iwana as UX Goodies or literally just use Spotify right under your listen. If you have any questions, follow-up questions on the episode, drop your question there and we'll definitely cover it on the next episode. I think that is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your time and listening. And uh, if you found it useful, make sure to also rate us in any, in any platform that you're using. Thank you, everybody, and goodbye.